As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on The Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Panic. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong. Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I have tampered with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Reporter here as always with my guys, Anthony Slater out west, Fred Katz out east. Gentlemen, what's going on? Apparently tons, based on that uproarious <laughs> response you're getting from us. Let's go, let's go, let's go. We're going to be efficient. I like the efficient, yes. yeah, I like the efficient Sam beginning. We listen, we all, we know today's going to be more efficient than possible or, or than normal, I guess. Our, our podcast PER is going to be through the roof. Uh, we're going to dive into a fun topic uh, that is going to be a mixture and a hybrid of current events with the uh, kind of a, you know, pontifications relating to a wonderful piece that was written by the Athletics' own Sam Vecini. Headline Luca, Lamelo, Zion, and more NBA young talent rankings top 10. Now, now Sam, uh, if you somehow don't know this, is our draft slash prospect extraordinaire does a wonderful job. And I was somehow late to the party uh, a couple of weeks ago, learned for the first time that Sam also is now based in Australia, which is, you know, a burgeoning hotbed of NBA talent and the pro leagues over there are a, a very relevant scene. Uh, I'm also extremely jealous because I've wanted to go to Australia for a very long time. One of these days, maybe uh, Joe Ingles or Andrew Bogut will have me and and be a, a host. Uh, but what we wanted to do today was to talk about, we're going to focus on the top 10 and, and to give the parameters here of what Sam did and why we thought it would be fun to get into on this week's tampering. 
is that it focuses on players that are still on their rookie scale contract, um, obviously, which is a, a two plus two, uh, two guaranteed years, and then team options on the back two, um, and also second round draft picks that are on their first contract. And the, the, the spirit of it and the idea, which is creative, is that in other sports, baseball, hockey, you know, um, and such, you know, you have prospects and you have a minor league system where they're constantly evaluating the young guys and, and you know, who's better, who's worse, who's going up, who's going down. And this is a, a little bit outside the box in that regard, guys, as far as evaluating guys that are in the league now doing their thing. But but I think it lands and, and obviously it did. It seems like it, it resonated with the audience. Um, but we're going to hone in again on top 10. And Slater, you'll be proud of me because you're always trying to make sure I don't forget my uh, my Sacramento roots. And and fittingly, <laughs> we, start, <laughs> we start at number 10. De'Aaron Fox gets Sam Vecini's nod as <clears throat> the 10th best player on this list of 50. And again, I highly recommend. Go read it. Go check it out. We are only looking at, at the top 10. Here's why I loved uh, this starting point for the pod. De'Aaron Fox is number 10. I'm going to move up a little bit. John Morant of the Grizzlies is number nine. And that's a pretty tidy little ranking if anybody happens to have noticed a while back that friend and colleague uh, Amina Lassan from ESPN had gotten himself in a, in, in a kind of a social media controversy when he said, uh, I think on the jump on uh, Rachel Nichols' show, that, that uh, you know, that uh, what, what was it, De'Aaron Fox uh, is basically that John Morant is is a better player than De'Aaron, and I just botched that a mean quote, and he can make fun of me later. But those two guys have been compared in the kind of way that you know that that is pretty interesting. How do you guys feel about De'Aaron at number ten, Jod number nine? I think that's probably right. I, you know, if if I was starting a team tomorrow and you gave me the choice, I'd take Jaw. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox is part of the. Worst defense in basketball right now, right? I mean, I think just look at he's got a one seventeen defensive rating. I like De'Aaron Fox. I think he's making strides. He's super fun to watch. Sam knows this. Um, you know, I, I, his three point percentage is at near thirty five percent this year, which is a huge leap for him. I mean, that, and that was a major concern. He's shooting it better. You know, he's got the max extension. That's an interesting thing. If you look down this list of top 10, I think well, I'm looking four of them have already signed max extensions into their next deal and presumably will be off this list next year because they walk into those deals. I'm talking Fox, Mitchell, Adebayo, Tatum. Um, and I like that deal for Sacramento. But at the same time, I just think Ja is a bit more of a complete point guard. Before Fred uh, dives in, I just have to, you know... I have to recover here. That was a terrible, I mean, quote. Um, so for anybody who didn't see it, and you got to love the fact that Google suggestions wasted no time giving it to me, which shows you that people have actually been searching this. It's that John Morant uh, is who De'Aaron Fox thinks he is. You know, that's a, it was a rough way of saying that the Ja, in I mean's opinion, is a better player. De'Aaron uh, shot back on Twitter and they kind of went back and forth. Now, De'Aaron was playing really good ball, Fred, and the Kings had a stretch where they, I think they won seven out of eight, eight out of nine, whatever it was. Uh, they've fallen. And we talked about them. We did. Remember that? We had this. We talked discussion. about them, and, but they've fallen off a cliff ever since. Uh, nine losses, I believe, in 10 games. Uh, what's your perspective They got the here? tampering jinx. That's all it was. Yes, they did. I, they did. It's really tough, and, and I think I lean more towards Morant 
I mean, look, obviously Sam thinks they're pretty close. He has them nine and 10. It's not exactly like he has one well ahead of the other. I think I lean more towards Morant because ultimately this is a list of top prospects. It's supposed to mimic a prospect ranking and basically look at potential, like career potential and not necessarily who would you rather have at this exact second. And I think Ja gets a slight edge because he's, he's only, he's two years younger than Fox and he's got a couple more years to develop into where Fox is right now. That a couple, couple cheaper, cheaper years, years that's too. very true. I mean, the thing that concerns me is that Ja is just not, I mean, what, what is it? he's shooting like 20% from three. And that is a really, I, I wouldn't say it's a concerning thing in terms of him not becoming a good player. He's going to be an excellent player. But if we're talking about Fox, you know, Fox Fox is not some sort of all-star shooter, but he's he's making him at a competent rate now, and he's hitting him when he's open. And and Joffrey's career is is treading around thirty percent, maybe even below it right now. And and that's something when you're talking about players at this level, that's something you want to be able to see. I would still have him a little bit ahead of Fox because I think they do a lot of similar things. They're both so fast and so good in transition, and and really good at leading fast-paced offenses. I think, and I, I think Ja is kind of a um, superior passer right now but you know i i'm not like totally and completely confident in that i i'm with you on most of that and guys i think for me the x factor is the age that you mentioned and, and the relation on the contract um you know that for the purposes of this list could have ja above De'Aaron. Uh, but De'Aaron's been very good this year uh the defensive accountability slater that you mentioned has got to be taken into account and I was even looking at their numbers during this slide they just had offensively he's still been pretty good now the three-point shot has fallen off a cliff it's down at 31 percent during that stretch uh his free throw shooting is another problem just to have a guard you know struggle like he does at the line uh, their free throw shooting was a problem last night I mean that might have been the worst loss of it was terrible eight. and honestly and this is not a road we're going to go down like i as of the recording of this pod on on Monday, uh, heading into this week, you know I, I don't think Luke Walton's going anywhere. Um, I think they're looking at this like a developmental year, um, and I think certainly he could that could be different this off season. But a game like last night, people started tweeting that oh, this is the kind of game where a coach gets fired, and I'm thinking no, this is the kind of game where guys go learn how to shoot free throws. I mean they they lost or they missed seven free throws down the stretch, uh, and and it was ugly, and they had that game, and they, they lost an. Eight point lead in fifty one seconds. Right, right. So, and De'Aaron in particular at the line, um, you just you got to be able to rely on your starting point guard uh, in that regard. So, that is an interesting one. Let's keep uh, moving down the, this list. I, I wanted to say something on on Memphis yeah. because Memphis is the only team on this list, or it's the first team on this list that has a repeat guy. Now, when we just go down the top ten, there will all be ten different teams. But at eleven is Jaron Jackson on Fair. this list, yeah. and and Jaron Jackson has not played any games this season. I think he may, you know, we, maybe we all have growing injury concerns about him. I believe he's supposed to return right after the All Star break, maybe even the first game. I don't know, um, but that's. Again, like if we're talking about this prospect rankings list, they're the only team on here that has two in the top eleven. What do you? Where are you guys at on Memphis in general? I mean, because I, I'd like to see Jaw with his pick and roll, pick and pop partner, and we're, we should be able to see that soon. And, and, and they've drafted really well in the second round, fringe around them. They're kind of an interesting team as we look forward to the second half and really in the next half decade. Yeah, I mean, Brand, Brandon no, Clark are. is is going to be a hell of a player too. So they've they've got. A really good young group. Yeah, with, with, with Jackson, it's just health. And that dude does everything except for rebound. 
He is a shot blocker, a defender. He can absolutely bomb from three. He can pick and pop. He's perfect with Ja because he's just so athletic and he can shoot. I mean, he's he is really good. If he can stay healthy, that's that's what it is for him because he's been hurt. Well, and Slater, to your point about just teams and their young cores, um, the major part of the problem in Sacramento is that if you go way down the list, uh, Marvin Bagley is number 45 on Sam Vecini's list. He's in between Cam. Marvin. Yes. You know, and it's like that's their version of Jaron Jackson. So I, I thought that was um, generous by Sam, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's I mean, he's had moments this year. Um, but yes, you could argue that it's generous and he's he's way, way, way down on that list. So. You know, lo and behold, shouldn't shock anybody that that Memphis is a, above the Kings in that that uh, kind of end of the West list. And and I mean, shoot, the Grizzlies are they're in playoff position right now. They're they're they are without Jackson. Yeah. Jackson hasn't played a minute this season, and that's right. to me that's an underrated you know small market storyline in the second half. You know, as they're in position to jump themselves up in that play in conversation if Jackson comes back and looks like the 11th best, you know, young player in basketball. I just, I'm curious to see it because he has had some injuries pile up. Right. No question. No question. All right. This next guy uh, is getting a a ton of buzz and with good reason, the one and only LaMelo Ball. Uh, Man, this kid is playing out of his mind. I mean, he's, he's looking like a a five-year pro. Um, You know, it's funny, Ethan Strauss uh, at The Athletic had written a lot about LaMelo coming into the draft. And I would make a point to, you know, I mean, you always got to read Ethan anyway, but on LaMelo, it was just really interesting to get like a fresh set of eyes on him as a prospect. And and there were times when you would see everything that he did before entering the league that, you know, you had him kind of pegged as that, you know, that style over substance kind of player. Uh, but all of a sudden he is a productive, quasi-efficient player who is going to be on that highlight reel uh, almost every single night. You know, Charlotte is, is winning some games. Uh, LaMelo Ball coming in at, at number eight. How do you guys You know see what's that? so funny about the Ball brothers? People people talk about them in a way that if you didn't actually watch the games, you would think they were like high-maintenance players or something like that. When they both play the game with, with such grace and intelligence. I mean, LaMelo is such a smart passer. My God. Like... The passes that he makes, they're they're so on point. But half the time, it's just amazing that he's able to see the game so quickly for someone that age and with no experience. I mean, he's played like, looking at it now, he's played 33 NBA games. I mean, the passes that he's able to make, the way he's able to open up defenses and get out in transition, it's, it's crazy. And his scoring is so far along right now. I mean, he he's going to be killer. Like, you can... There, there's an argument that he should be even higher on this list. I mean, he. It's it's more just because there's such a small sample. That's more of a, um, you know, a, yeah, a bet on the growth sure. of LaMelo Ball. He's only played whatever 30 something NBA games. What this is, is an early checkpoint on the 2020 draft and the fact that there was a, a clear top three. I, I think it was, it was mostly consensus in the league that the top three prospects in some order were Edwards, Wiseman, Ball. And that's how it went. One, Edwards, two, Wiseman, three, Ball. And if you look at these young prospect rankings, Ball is the only of the three that's in this top 10 that we're going to talk about. He's at eight. And then uh, Edwards and Wiseman are 20-21. And Edwards and Wiseman have flashed like, you know, unbelievable highlights. What I do love about the top of this draft, which was was question, is they're all really fun, you know, players that 
we see Edwards already has the dunk of the year. Wiseman has, you know, four or five dunks every game he plays. But it's pretty clear at this early checkpoint, LaMelo has risen above those two um, in, you know, in what we believe is is the potential. Now, that can change. I mean, as we talk about guys who might be able to jump up into the top 10 when we talk about a list like this next year, Edwards and Wiseman are among that because they're so young. But LaMelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets to this point have won what's, the 2020 uh, draft. S- Sam, what's, what's LaMelo's... Like, do you have a sense for what people think Lamelo's ceiling is at this point? I mean, I guess the first reaction or thought that comes to mind is who was the last point guard to come in and and show this, you know, kind of deft handling of a team and and to be this productive. I mean, Luca comes to mind, um, and you know, this has shades of that. So if you talk about ceiling, I mean, the defensive side of the ball is going to take quite some time for him to grow. And you see teams picking on him quite a bit. But, I mean, I don't see – I mean, it sounds kind of cliche. But I don't know. I don't see a ceiling at this point if you're going out. And I was trying to pull up the stat here. And, and his last stretch of, you know, seven, eight, nine games, whatever it is, you know, he's coming in at 26-6 and six with really good percentages. Um, and the leadership component and the way that he does seem very capable of fitting in with grown men, which, you know, you got to look at that – overseas experience a little bit and, and assume that that helped, you know, that's big too. If you're side by side with a guy like Gordon Hayward and players like that, that are swearing by you, you know, pretty early on in this process. I talked to Gordon maybe five, six games into the regular season. He was already, you know, raving about LaMelo uh, and it didn't, it seemed very genuine. So I don't know what the ceiling is. I, I don't, I think we're so early that uh, we're still kind of getting clarity there. Yeah, I, I talked to Del Curry actually about that because the Hornets and Warriors just played recently, and Del obviously father of Steph, but also Hornets broadcaster. He he he, you know, being around the Charlotte, he loves what Lamelo's. I mean, he's ejected his personality on the team already. Right, they're a fun young team. He's they have that Airbnb nickname with him and uh, Bridges uh, because he throws a bunch of lobs. You know, I to me the ceiling is like very dependent on the shot. Are you a believer in the shot? It's been a lot better than expected. I mean, like he's shooting better percentages in the NBA already than he did in Australia last year. I think he's thirty five percent from three, hitting it well lately. If he's that, if he even can, you know, grow that up to thirty six, thirty seven percent. Plus, he's finishing at the rim better than than I think we all expected early on. Like, yeah, he, he you know, because I do think he'll be somewhat of a two way force. It, you know, he's a smart getting in passing lanes type defender he'll get physically you know stronger um and the and the way he can control passing lanes and get a team out in transition but if he can't shoot like if if 35 becomes over the span of his career 32 percent from three and if and if the finishing at the rim just never you know is at an elite elite level where he can just kind of you know what he did to phoenix basically where he went in isolation late and closed them out if he can't do that consistently He's got a ceiling. If he can do that consistently, I mean, I would have him higher than a Trey Young on this list. But the thing is, Trey Young has proven he can be the leader of an elite level offense. We don't know yet with Lamelo Ball. And, and do you guys, where are you at on this shot? It's way better than I thought. No, I mean, like that, the jury's out. Yeah, no, it's just it's it's way ahead of what I thought. I mean, I, 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 I remember actually Sam saying, I mean, this was this is why Sam is really good at his job, Vicini. I, I remember him saying before the draft, yeah, LaMelo is not making his shots now. But the way he shoots, 
to me, the hardest part of scouting is not looking at a guy and saying that guy's good at that or that guy's bad at that. It's looking at a guy and saying that guy's not good at that, but he will be good at that. Or that guy is good at that, but he won't be good at that. Uh, and and Sam looked at LaMelo and, and he said that he thought that his shot wasn't broken. He was just missing shots and that eventually he he might actually be able to to be a better shooter than he showed in Australia and that he showed in, you know, lower levels. And and that looks to be the case. I mean, I, they're going in. They're going in. He's also not taking maybe as many absolutely bonkers, crazy shots. I mean, the shot difficulty, I don't know if it was just because we were looking at highlights or what, but the shot difficulty on some of the shots that he would pull up from were just pure insanity, right? And he shoots it with confidence, but well, he, and he's, he's, still, he's pulling up from 40 feet for all five of his threes. He still has a pretty entertaining uh, habit of, you know, even on good shooting nights, he could be 60% from the field and give you a, an air ball three or a <laughs> off the top of the backboard three. Uh, the You know, he kind of plays both extremes. But even to, Fre- you know, Fred, your question on the ceiling, it's like, listen, 6'6 six, six guard, the shot that, you know, you look at the comparison to Luca potentially. I mean, Luca's still around 32%. From long range, yet his three ball when he's playing, you know, his better basketball is, is still such a weapon. And so uh, I see a lot of room for growth. And, and since we are doing kind of the comparison thing and Trey Young is next on the list um, to hone in on that, you know, kind of one V one. I mean, how do you guys feel about Trey being one notch above LaMelo here? Because with Trey, my th- the size is always going to create, you know, fair or not a ceiling that is going to, you know, play a part when people talk about Trey's ceiling. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Uh just because Trey has shown it so far. I mean, he's just put up absolutely ridiculous numbers. He's shown that when he is on the floor, his teams are going to score a lot. He you're right. I mean, the defense is just like there there are guards who don't defend well, but they have more defensive potential. And with Trey, it's just like he, he is small and he is not physically strong. I mean, he's he's feathery in every way, right? The good and the bad. And so uh, offenses will take advantage of him forever. So I'm with you, but it's not exactly like he's he's shown it more than LaMelo. So I'm I'm fine with it. The dude is averaging outrageous numbers. And and at some point that's going to matter. So the Hornets are better than the Hawks right now. Right. Record wise. Um you know, I, I don't know how much of that to put on Trey because, I mean, like you said, you look at the on-offs or just, you know, I think they've outscored opponents by like 87 this season when Trey's on the floor and been outscored by about 85 when he's not. So the Hawks are mostly losing when he's off the floor. I mean, they're they're, but at the same time, like going into the season, we all would have said Trey Young supporting cast is better than LaMelo Balls and, and Atlanta should be better than, than Charlotte. And I'm not saying... LaMelo Ball is the only reason Charlotte's playing well. Gordon Hayward's had a good season. Terry Rozier's had a good season. Some of those young guys are growing. But it does feel like LaMelo has a role in that, right? His fingerprints seem like they're on that team where where Trey Young is doing really great Trey Young stuff. And yes, they are in general a little bit better than average when he's or you know, they're they're in the plus when he's on the floor. But at the same time, like I don't know if I was if I w- was told to build a winning team and and you offered me one of those two, I'm betting more on the potential of LaMelo, but I, I might take LaMelo. I, I don't know where you guys are at. Just because of what he probably can be as a two-way winning component. You know, it's hard It's hard to be an elite point guard in this league when you're 6'1". I mean, we talk about Steph Curry like he's 6'1". He's not. He's 6'3". And he's still, you know, considered smallish. And with Trey, I think even this season, 
and you're alluding to this later, like it is fair to be somewhat critical of not only the Hawks record and his part in it, even if the on-offs are favorable in, in his direction, but the leadership stuff that he's still a very young guy trying to figure out, you know, Chris Kirshner and I, the Hawks beat writer, had written earlier in the year about some of the locker room dynamics with he and John Collins. Now, injuries have been a major part of their year. You know, Rondo, Chris Dunn, Bogdanovich, um, Gallinari at different points being hurt. So all the free agency, you know, additions that were widely celebrated in the brief offseason just have not paid off at all in the way that they had been hoping for. But Trey, it can be, you know, I think his legacy is it's going to go one of two ways. It's are you going to be you know, kind of a a one-man show that is always going to dazzle and make your way onto all-star teams, or are you going to actually be a, a winning player who is inclusive and elevates guys around you? And I think he's still figuring that out. And, you know, again, a lot has gone into them not being as good as they had hoped they would be. I mean, they have a lot of pl- uh, pressure this year to make the playoffs. Louis Pri- uh, Pierce has a lot of pressure on him, and and that's a very real thing. And, and Trey's at the center of all of it. He's uh, he's 22, Lamelo's 19. Also, right. you know, that's something. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. All right, let's keep moving down the old list. Um, I kind of like... Does Andrew Sleck needs to get on the call for number six? I mean, this, is, this is his moment. This might be our first Thunder discussion of we, the Super producer, Andrew For a podcast Schleck, who constantly based, discusses how we could discuss the Thunder, we actually have never discussed the Thunder. Yes. The current yeah. Thunder. We discuss a lot yeah. of, you know, We're like a Thunder history podcast. Be, that would be a good yes. pod, by the way. We need to do all three of you at some point going deep on, on I mean, everything you the know. Thunder the Thunder History Podcast could be the name of a Nets podcast. That could work. Sure. Hey, hey, Washington Wizards got their fair share of uh, Thunder history up there. But let's talk about the current Thunder. They have number six player on this list. Shay Gilgis Alexander, wonderful young player. But this is where a, a kind of an exercise like San Vicini undertook. Uh, it, it kind of it's a mind bender from the standpoint of I got to admit I, I have a hard time seeing Shea's name next to Donovan Mitchell who's number five so Shea coming in at number six Donovan at number five and I get it for sure and I need to wake up a little bit to to how good Shea has been I've admittedly been kind of slow on that front but with Donovan I feel this weird defensiveness of like you know I, I don't know if I if I want to go beat up Shaq for being mean to Donovan earlier in the year. Or where it's coming from, but like you know, Donovan is kind of becoming, I think, a, a sympathetic character who just goes out, tries to be the best player he can be, has his team at the top of the West, yet still consistently hears about everything he doesn't do versus what he does do. And uh, Andrew, are you going to let him just skip over <laughs> Shay like no, this? No, we're this is let's, just typical <laughs> large market stuff. Come on, it's okay. Yeah. 
Large, yeah, that Utah, that huge market. Hey, hey, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. Yeah. We know. <laughs> he, he, he turned the first Thunder section of the entire season into a, Don- a, a Donovan Mitchell Why is Donovan breathing the same air as Shea? That's what I'm wow. asking. And, and you know what's amazing is that Mitchell is ahead of Shea. And Sam still... <laughs> I know. Why he's did just we not, go to five? We had a Donovan Mitchell segment coming Sam, up. And Sam is complaining right that he's not far enough ahead. Uh, like that Sam, right. or that, that, that Vecini should have mentioned, like invented a number to put between five <laughs> right. and six just to okay, show so, they're farther in part. So there's the, there's the question then. Is there somebody that you think should be ahead of Shea that's behind him? On the list. Oh no, you know we don't ever. It's like the All Star debate. You don't ever actually say you, who should. You know you what? Take the I spot. I just I'd probably take you know, the I, of all I don't over. think I kind of love Vicini doing this. I'm going to say Vicini so I don't mess up my Amex and my Vicinis yeah. of the the Sam variety. Sure. Well, we knew earlier when you said Sam was good at his job <laughs> that that was a distinction. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me ask Andrew something because this is a good way to probably frame the Shea conversation. They're about to max him of out, course. right? I mean, on, on an extension. Going forward, you know, a lot of these guys on this list, particularly as we get above Shea on this list, it's like, okay, they could probably be the one. The thought is from those teams, they could be the one mm-hmm. on a title contender. As the Thunder try to reform, like, do you, are you of the belief like Shea is like a 1A on a, on a sturdy playoff? I have team? been, on, I have, or I like, have thought that he two. is not for the longest time. I he agree. has I shown, though. Well, no, I think he I has shown the coming he with has more. shown <laughs> the efficiency of a player that could be, though. Uh, he's shooting forty one percent on five attempts from three, and they are the most difficult attempts he's had his whole career. Uh, he is he has the most drives per game of anybody in the NBA, and he still like he he got it going the other night. He had forty on twenty shots. There has it's been Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Paul George, Kevin Durant. That's it. Those are the only other guys in Oklahoma City Thunder history that have ever done that. And he's leading the team. He relishes being a leader, and he he makes really good passes. He's one of the best in the pick and roll in the NBA. And he has what Trey Young doesn't have. He's got height and he's got length. So he's he's not the best defender. He probably gets billed as a better defender than he really is, but he has the potential to be a good defender. He was kind. Of, I was a little disappointed in him in that Houston yeah. series last year. You know, Chris Paul played well. Dort obviously had a really good series. Like they, as a team, they were impressive. But I thought SGA like was didn't have a very good series. And defensively is where I was like, that was supposed to be his. Like he was supposed to be more advanced Correct. on that side of the ball. Where that seems to yeah. be changing. Yeah, they targeted him in that series. I mean, a lot. But yeah, he's he's become a much better player than I thought he would be. He's fifty one percent from the field overall. Like the efficiency is outrageous. So Andrew, and, you mentioned the efficiency. I mean, he's he's 27% usage with 63% true shooting. Mm-hmm. Outrageous. I mean, the other guards in the league who are doing that this year are Stephen Curry, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, uh, which basically means, by the way, that he's the next Thunder who's going to become a Nets player. And, yeah, right. uh, <laughs> and Zach Levine. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Those are all of the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's elite level guys. Sam doesn't believe. So this. in conclusion, Fred says uh, Shea should be number one. Right? I, I, all I'm saying is that he should be ahead of Donovan Mitchell. That's it. And right. I don't even believe it for basketball reasons. I will not stand for I it. Just, I will not stand I just for believe it. it because I just want to see Sam's reaction. To that, <laughs> no, I, I, it does. It takes me back. Moving to number five, it, no, it takes me back a little bit. The Paul George trade, um, 
the Clippers were, I mean, you guys know this, they were not happy to give up Shea. That was, that was a major, major part of the negotiations and an interesting thing to like after that deal went down, it was fascinating to, to take a pulse on the Clippers side where with very good reason, they're celebrating, you know, they got Paul, they got Kawhi Leonard and they feel mostly good, but there was this little tinge of like, ah, we, we, you know, we had to give up Shea and they knew what they were giving up. He was a major priority for them before that deal went down and, and it's showing that their scouting of him was, was on point. So, um, you know, Sam Presti, not just compiling draft picks out there. I mean, this is a guy that if he can get all these different pieces on the same timeline and start building something, then we'll see if Shea could be part of that. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever. And that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn sales navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals, and show you hidden allies so that you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash show 23 That's linkedin.com slash show 23 for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash show 23 and get started. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know what else is I look down this list um, and we're going to get to the, the top four. O- really only three to four of the top 10 guys are on teams that have overperformed this year. You know, the top four, what, and we're going to get to them, Adebayo, Zion, Tatum, Doncic. All four of their oh, teams there goes are the drama disappointed. There goes the drama. Just give the whole list Sorry. away. Well, I, 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 didn't, I didn't give the list away. You know, it, it could be any, you know, you know those are the top <laughs> yeah. four. But um, I guess my general point is like, you know, Shea is like they've overperformed, yeah. right? Like the Thunder are a surprise, just like I would say Lamelo and the Hornets are a surprise. And then um, beyond that, I mean, I guess you could say John Morant. Now, obviously, we're about to get to Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. They have overperformed. They have, uh, and yes. we can go there. But I'm just saying, it's a it's interesting to look at like team success within this list of, of Frost. No, I think to be honest, unless you guys object, we're gonna skip over my guy Donovan a little bit. I, I think it speaks for. Whoa! I mean, we we, we, we nine now he's hate. Uh, we we hit on him. We we know what he is. Yeah. We know Sam Amick, an um, official Donovan great. Mitchell hater, won't even talk yes. about him on his podcast. We convinced him that <laughs> Shay should be, uh, you know, of a. But uh, I do, you know, the clock's ticking. Andrew's got to get out today. We're, we're under the gun. We got nine minutes left. Um, we got to get into the top four. Bam Adebayo coming in at number four. Zion Williamson at number three. Um, you're right, Slater, that, you know, I mean, I don't think Bassini necessarily had team performance and underperforming, overperforming 
as part of his equation, but Bam and the Heat have struggled this year. Um, I mean, I categorically do not think it's Bam's fault. Uh, he's played very well. And, you know, Jimmy Butler's been out. They've had injury stuff. Uh, but Bam is, is having himself a nice year. Yeah, but he didn't make the All-Star team. Um, and some people would say that's a mistake. But he, the Heat really struggled when Jimmy Butler was out. And as we talk about guys... You know, Bam Adebayo, versatile defender, you know, growing offensive player, great passer for a big man. You know, let's say Jimmy Butler is out for an extended period of time. Like, is can he be the leader of a winner? Um, the Lakers just struggled little- mightily when Anthony Davis was out. And they have a guy named... I saw the Lakers absolutely pile drive. Well, that's because Dennis Schroeder is apparently the MVP. Because now that he's back, they're fine. (laughs) Sam's getting narratives off today. Uh, I don't know. You know, I just... Fred, Sam, like... Bam Adebayo isn't a give it to... You go run the offense type player yet. It doesn't seem like... They they do run some stuff through him. But But you know what I mean. Here's the thing with with Bam, which I think shows kind of how special of a player that he is. Look at this list. Look at the top 10. Look at the players that we've already talked about and the players that Slater totally blew by naming the rest of the list. Every one of those guys, I mean, Tatum's a good defensive player. Every one of those guys is what you describe as an offense slanted player. And I don't think we can describe Bam as that. Like, I think he, like that, it is really hard to be a great defender at a really young age and to understand NBA defense, uh, not just from a physical still standpoint and having the body to be able to do that, but the the mental standpoint, the the ability to be able to help the way that he does, rim protect the way that he does, anchor a defense, call out signals, like every single intangible that is tremendously helpful to to team defense. He has all of them. And, and I mean, Slater, you're right. If you just give him the ball and you run it through him, I mean, look, a, a great example of this, and the game was different then, but in, in 2014, I think it was, 20, it must have been 14, the year that Joakim Noah finished third. And we'll, we'll, we'll give a little nod to Noah since he's officially retiring today. Uh, the year that Noah finished third in MVP voting, the, the Bulls had everybody hurt, right? And they just started running their offense through him in the post. And he was one of the best passing big men in the league, a, a spectacular passer. I think he averaged five assists that year, which back then was like incredible for a center, right? And he averages five assists a game that year, and they're running their offense through him. But I think that team still finished 28th in offense. It's really hard to run your offense through your big man in the post and have a really highly efficient offense, unless you're you're talking about somebody who is whole other next level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like that literally the greatest of all time in terms of passing. And he can also take you down low and score at a level that Bam doesn't necessarily do. But to me, Bam is the closest offensive guy you have to Jokic. If you pair him with a perimeter player, who's a really good facilitator, he is, he is so incredible offensively. And then you add in the fact that I think he'll probably get to a point where like he could, he could be one of those one man defense guys by the time he gets to his prime, right? Where you just like you have him on the floor yeah, and your defense is awesome. As long as you have just decently competent guys, your defense is awesome. To, to continue my my bam hate, um, they have a one hundred eight defensive rating um, when he's on the floor this year. He doesn't really take or make threes. And then uh, you know I saw him in a game against the Warriors where the Warriors didn't have a center, and I thought I was like Bam's going to dominate tonight, and he just didn't. So maybe that leads to to what I'm talking about. But I, I've been left a slight bit underwhelmed when I've watched him a ton, including you know I covered that Lakers Heat Finals. I know he was banged up, but he he wasn't 
the factor I thought he was going to be in the finals. Well, and I think his production this year is another reminder of the, the hollowness of some individual stats because on paper it looks like he's had a major uptick from last year to this year. He's basically 20-10-5, and five, which is pretty hard to come by. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, you know, the success has not been there. Jimmy's a fantastic fit with him. And obviously, you know, still the MVP of that team and a guy that, you know, if he hadn't been hurt, should have been on the all-star team again this year. So all good perspectives. Um, Zion Williamson is a guy who started slow and has come on like a monster and is doing special things. And that Mr. Bassini has at number three. Uh, how do we feel about Zion's positioning? If this was like a month ago, I might disagree, but it's not a month ago. Like he's still at age 20 has made his first mini leap, right? And and we all kind of assume more leaps are coming. We'll all watch him defensively. He must get better on that end. For The Pelicans must get better on that end. But he's starting to look like offensively a 1A. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have no problem with any of Sam's top three. With with Tatum and, and Doncic at one, like, I have no problem with any of that. It it all looks good. Tatum's accomplished so much and – and Luca is, you know, a whole a whole other level. He's a one man offense, and Zion's been. I mean, we talked about efficiency numbers with Shea, but good lord, with Zion, it's crazy. It is indeed. I just lost track of the list. So look, passing well too, passing well, passing really well. Well, and and it's honestly, it's a it's a breath of fresh air and a sigh of relief. I think, um, in terms, if if you look at Zion in the bubble. And then, like, there was a, a moment that seems like it's now behind us, where we started kind of wondering if, if you know, we, uh, if we, if we are wrong about Zion, he was had those pictures that where he physically didn't look like the same guy coming into the year, and some just a little bit of weirdness around his situation, where you wondered if, uh, if we were missing something, um, and and now back to that guy that that in a small sample size in his rookie year just looks so special. The argument against would be if you have concerns about his health long-term, right? Just with how big and explosive he moves and the way he lands, like, you know, can the body hold up? We're, we're talking about Blake Griffin, you know, who I think Blake Griffin's only 30, 31, and he played a Zion-type style, right? That just crazy explosion, um, and that led to injuries over the career because it's kind of a dangerous style of play. But the argument for, when you look at this list, he's only 20. I mean, he's the of this top five, he's the youngest. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, 24, Bam Adebayo, 23. Zion is not 21 years old yet, which is crazy. Number two on this list is a guy who is only 22 and who it feels like he's 25 based on how long he's been around, Jason Tatum. Um, Special player, you know, so established in this league at this point. You know, you're talking about the conference finals appearances and and a resume that does, you know, that belies his age. Um, So no problem at all with him being number two, it feels he, it feels odd that he's even on the list again, just because of his body of work. Two way player uh, coming in right now at twenty five points, uh, seven boards, four and a half assists. The Celtics have certainly underperformed, and and he's got to take some accountability there. But um, you know, what what do you think about him? I mean, Sam. I actually disagree with Sam because Sam had him in a category of could be a best. I believe I forget how he phrased it, but could be the best player on a title team one day. Uh, I don't see why. I mean, he, the Celtics are not a title team right now, but I don't see why if you put him in the right situation, you take that guy, you plop him on the right roster. I don't see why he can't be the best player on a title team right now. He was, yeah, he I almost mean, was last year, right? I mean, like he was the best player on that Celtics team, and they yeah, and he was second fun. team All NBA, second team, right? All NBA last year. Uh, I voted him second team All NBA last year. He's he's spectacular. 
and and he's getting better. And so I have, you know, he's he's struggled a little bit after after coming back from from the protocols. He struggled with his jumper a little bit, but that's that's pretty normal for the guys who are coming back from the protocols. And he's he's he is wonderful. I I think he's he he has that ability right now. This is a longer yeah, and I, conversation, but I do quote unquote, I worry and I, I quotations only because, you know, we're not fans doing this thing, but you look at situations in the Celtics, they have a weird kind of pair, like a dynamic there where Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum have won so much. And now I think raise their own expectations to be title contenders that Boston now finds itself in a really tricky situation where they're simply not good enough. Danny Ainge is making that clear even publicly and in terms of their plan going forward, there's a lot of argument for why they should remain patient, not overreach for a move right now. Um, you know, and, and but but I feel like the accomplishments of Jason and Jalen Brown and that group are almost, you know, have kind of put expectations higher than they should be at this point. I'm curious next couple of years what they do. With They've the also roster. got that massive largest trade exception of all time. They've got a 28 point something million dollar right. trade exception, which Al Horford fits into perfectly uh yeah i don't know yeah i mean they they've uh Mm. they have flexibility they have things that they can do the east is also just totally disappointing does as well yeah that that you that's a more flexible tool to use in the off season uh but if they feel panicked to try to you know climb back into the conversation this season it can be used this season uh before the trade deadline what's you know Danny Ainge seems to have messed up a lot of these marginal moves, but at the same time, it's more important to hit the bigger moves, to have a guy like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum under long-term team control. And when you look back, this exercise is fun to look at Vecini's list because it, it makes you think back on recent drafts. We talked about LaMelo Ball, Wiseman, Edwards earlier. Well, you look at the the Jason Tatum draft, he's up here at number two, whereas the guy who went one in that draft, Markel Fultz, is 40, and the guy who went two in that draft, Lonzo Ball, is 33. So, you know, it, it, it's it's these checkpoints of drafts that clearly that was a bit that was a big swing and a nice move by Danny Ains then, even if he's kind of messed up on the periphery of the roster. Sink. Right. All right. Our strong finish with Luca coming in at number one. I don't have any problem with this. Uh, a little bit like Zion, where there was a moment where we thought, you know, the uh, the, the sparkle was kind of off of, of this star, so to speak, where he was having a hard time early on this year. The Mavs were dropping games like crazy. They have now won. Eight out of 11 uh, back in playoff position. His line is basically the same as last year, except for the uptick from long range, which is a big deal. He's actually shooting a little bit less from three, but he's gotten it from mid 31% up to 35%. Um, everything else is is kind of uh, chalk from before, uh, but Luca doing Luca things, and they've had a ton of injuries this year too. He just, he's, he's an MVP candidate at 21. He's... Um... I think pretty much universally believed to be uh, a type of player who can be your best player on a title team. And there's only a handful of those in the NBA. And at 21, we already believe he is. Um, flaws remain, but they're minor. Uh, Sam mentioned the three-point percentage. It's it, He's really shooting well lately because it wasn't good early in the season. Um, Dallas needs to maneuver to get them to a title level, but you know, what is he now in his third season? I mean, and you know, he's going to sign his max extension. They have like six to seven more really good years of control of, of Luka Doncic. And that, that puts them in the conversation for the next six or seven years. I just can't believe Sam isn't using this opportunity to talk about Donovan Mitchell. 
<laughs> should he Donovan be should be number one. No, I like Luca number one. Um, and you know what else I liked, and I'll kind of finish on this, guys, is when they were terrible early on. Um, at least we only see the public stuff. We're seeing Zoom. We're not as close to the teams right now. But I liked the, the what appeared to be a fairly high level of humility when he was not playing well and accountability where he was talking about the need for him to play well. And, and it, you know, it, and you wondered where that would take him. And it seems to have taken him out of that kind of darker place. And, and he's back on his way. Um, that's important because, you know, I, not to do the cliche Luca Trey comparison, but there have been times with Trey where when they're struggling, you just kind of wonder behind the scenes, you know, is he the kind of personality who is willing to say, no, this is where I have to get better. It starts with me. I'm going to take that leadership role. Um, again, to what, you know, in terms of what we've seen, I like Luca's handling of, of some of the, the early adversity. All right, gentlemen, thank you as always for breaking it down. Thank you to the great Sam Vecini for giving us content for an entire show, even if Donovan Mitchell just got no love whatsoever. Uh, LaMelo Ball on his way. Luka Doncic at the top of that list. Fun stuff. Uh, readers, listeners, make sure you go check it out, and we will talk to you next time. Thanks, guys.